1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sandy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman and we are previewing the SEC for the 2021 season um, for HoosierHuddle.com. TJ, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
0: Doing great. Yeah, it's an exciting day getting to uh, talk about the SEC, which, you know, certainly um, their fans can be arrogant. However, uh, as you and I you know, just mentioned before we started, uh, it's, it's hard to call it the arrogance when they kind of earn it. I mean, the SEC, while I think that they're, you know, their slogan, it just means more, I, I feel they rub that in everybody's face and you can talk about ESPN's kind of constant SEC chatter and uh, all of that being said, It is a conference that produces championships, whether it's LSU or Alabama um, and produces top 10 teams and, you know, routinely is kind of the center of the college football universe. So um, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation today as we get to talk about, you know, depending on who you talk to or what rankings you look at, you know, up to four top 10 teams uh, in this conference.
1: Yeah, and I've been watching SEC media days, and nobody pumps up their own conference like the SEC network. And I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's – they play it off as basically everybody has a chance to, to make a run outside of maybe Vanderbilt and some of the other teams with new coaches. But they hype it up. Some, and I love it as somebody – who has been to many media days for the big 10 and have watched it on the big 10 network. They just pump up Ohio state and maybe Michigan and Penn state. Uh, and don't really give the rest of the conference credit, uh, you know, in that area. But it's, if you've watched sec media days, it's a, they're right. It just means more. It's the unofficial kickoff to the season. Uh, for for college football for them, it you know coaches come in like rock stars and you know the, even the setup looks a lot. It, I mean it's it's a giant press conference, so it's not like super cool, but the SEC makes it look cool. Uh, so let's yeah. let's get down to it. Um, the SEC they have some great non conference games this year, but let's get to uh, the conference first. And then how those uh, games will impact the season? Uh, who might surprise? Who will disappoint? Uh, is anybody going to give Bama a run for the money? Uh, can Georgia finally break through? Is it the year that Florida, Florida breaks through? Um, there's, to me, I think there's three title contenders uh, for the SEC. Uh, but my my title game pick is going to be Alabama
0: uh, versus Georgia. How about you? Yeah, I've got the exact same. And uh, that's boring, you know, but uh, it is – for me, you have to take Alabama until somebody proves otherwise. And you have to pick Georgia until somebody proves otherwise. Uh, We'll talk about, you know, the teams in the East coming up. I I just don't really see an argument for anyone else in the East beating – a team as talented as Georgia with JT Daniels, at quarterback, that offense was significantly better, more than a touchdown per game better with JT Daniels at the helm. Um, You know, that means something. It was a small sample size, but it definitely means something. And you, you look at what Florida lost. I don't see how the Gators are able to mount the challenge. So you take Georgia out of the East. Uh, and I think it'd be kind of foolish to pick anybody but Alabama um, out of the West unless you're just going out on a limb. And, you know, on the off chance that you happen to be right, you can pump your chest out and say, I knew it all along. This was the year. Yep, uh, cash sure, that ticket. Alabama, yeah, you know, Alabama loses, you know, quite a bit, just like every year. And then they, you know, they don't rebuild, they reload. Uh, And there's five stars sitting behind five stars waiting to make their mark. So for me, it's those two. Um, I I think the race for second and a potential, you know, who's going to be second in the conference, not necessarily in each division, uh, is, is the more interesting thing to watch because I do think, like most years, the SEC does have a very legitimate chance at getting two playoff teams in. I agree. Uh, I
1: agree, and I, I'm taking Georgia over Florida just based on their schedule alone. Um, yeah. Georgia yeah. does get Clemson in the opener, but that's not an SEC game, so it's not going to affect their standings in the East. Florida gets Alabama at home in week three, and they have to go to LSU um, as well. That's Those are two tough crossover games uh, out of the West. So it's – you know, you figure that Florida's going to have at least one, one SEC loss, and then they also have to play Georgia on October 30th in Jacksonville. And, you know, if a wrench gets thrown into everything, and Florida knocks off Alabama at home, that's – you know, that's a huge early season game uh, in the swamp. Uh, and, and, you know, if Florida – beats Alabama, it's the, the East is up for grabs and you, maybe a playoff spot is up for grabs as well. But Georgia, you talked about two teams getting to the playoffs. If Georgia beats Clemson and goes undefeated in the regular season, represents the East and Alabama is there at 12-0 at and, and they meet in the SEC title game, the loser of that game may, um, very well may, just get into the playoff uh, because that Clemson win, Clemson is, you know, almost a lock to win the the ACC and probably is a lock to get a, a playoff spot. But, you know, a new quarterback there as well. Um, Georgia wins that game. They, they have a shot to, to make the playoff as well as, as Alabama. But going back at second place in the East, it is a very top-heavy conference Uh, I think there's a lot been a lot of change over the last two years in the SEC in terms of coaches um, some attrition and and things like that Uh, but you know it's it's Georgia Florida and Alabama right now and then the rest are are playing for maybe a a a really good bowl and things like that Uh, TJ who is your surprise team of the
0: SEC? You know, when you're trying to pick a surprise team from the SEC, it's very difficult for me because you have to look at what are the expectations nationally or kind of locally of the fan base, and then what do I think, which team do I think can most exceed those expectations? The expectations at LSU, as always, very high. Expectations at Texas A&M, very high. They expect Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies to win the SEC this year. That is their expectation. Uh, Georgia, they expect to break through and win the SEC. Anything less than that is going to be considered, not necessarily a failure if they win every game except maybe lose a close one to Alabama. Not a failure, but not a resounding success either. So for me, taking a look at that, the team that I think exceeds expectations is Missouri. Uh, given the schedule, given, uh, I like Eli Drinkwitz. I think he's a really good coach. Um, and I, I think that this offense, while they do lose their running back from last season, um, you know, I, I, I do like their quarterback. He was only a freshman last year. Uh, I, I think that Connor Bazalik takes a step forward. I think Missouri takes advantage of Florida in a rebuilding year and i think that their schedule sets up really nicely for them to have you know eight or nine wins uh, in the season which is going to exceed expectations i think by and large the ceiling for them by most is considered to be third place in the east Uh, i think they finish second in the east you look at who they draw out of the west you know they draw arkansas and they draw texas a&m at home they get texas a&m coming to missouri they also get home games against Tennessee, home games against South Carolina, a big home game November 20th against Florida, uh, which is the, the second to last game of the season for them. So I know they're going to lose at Georgia, uh, but beyond that, I don't see any games that they're incapable of winning. Uh, non-conference schedule sets up nicely for them with Central Michigan and Southeast Missouri and North Texas. Um and then South there, uh, the East opponents, of course, you know, as they get every year, but, um, I see eight, maybe nine wins for Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz's second season. Uh, and I think that's exceeding expectations by pretty much anybody's standards. So, uh, I like this Missouri team. I don't think it's a program that's necessarily going to jump up past Florida or Georgia, but this year, uh, given all that Florida's losing, i like Missouri to nip them for second place because of that home game uh, on November 20th.
1: Yeah. And they catch A&M the week after A&M hosts Alabama. So it, it's th- the Alabama, Texas A&M game. And I probably should have um, included Texas A&M, but spoiler alert, I think Texas AM is going to be my most disappointing team. Um, <laughs> But that that game could be a season wrecker, uh, you know. If you come in and blow out your chest and say, "Hey, we're going to beat that," ba-, Bama comes in and, and railroads you, it's, uh, it takes a lot of wind out of your sails. And basically, you know, if your season goal was to win the SEC and knock off Alabama, it's that's a tough turnaround, especially to go on the road. Uh, you know, from, to, to Missouri, which, you know, it, it's a tough place to play, but it's not, you know, it's not playing in, in at tiger stadium or, or in the swamp or uh, between the hedges uh, or Jordan Hare and, and things like that. Um, so, but my, my surprise team, uh, you know what, TJ, I'm going to do it. I, I think it's Auburn and here's why. And surprises could be good or bad, Uh, so I'll hedge my my bets a little bit. But Auburn has a new coach; it's um, it's Brian Hartson, who's at Boise State. Uh, He's a good coach, kind of an unorthodox hire from uh, from the SEC to bring somebody from out west, uh, you know, down into deep deep down into SEC country. But here's the thing: they were really good under Gus Malzahn or, or, um, yeah, it was Gus Malzahn, wasn't it? Um, under Gus Malzahn, they, they were pretty good. It's not like they were, um, they were going fire, you know, four and eight and three and nine and five and seven and, and things like that. They won have won over. They've had a winning record. You know, the last five years, they, they've won over, you know, 55% of their games for the last five years, uh, at, at the bare minimum, uh, He's got a veteran quarterback coming back uh, with Bo Nix. He's got new defensive coordinators. You return a lot of – you return your entire offensive line. You return your running back, Tank Bigsby, who's very, very good. Um, Yeah. The defense, you return seven starters. It's – there's a lot to work with. And I think, you know, there's games where you're – Auburn might not – they have to go to Penn State in week three, which is – I think uh, uh, is going to be a very good test for both teams. Um, mm-hmm. You have to go to LSU, and you get Georgia Georgia, in back-to-back weeks. You have to go to Texas A&M, uh, and then you finish the year, of course, with Alabama at home. Uh, it's, Auburn's a tricky team to, to predict because when you predict them to be awesome – they usually stink, and when you predict them to stink, they're usually awesome. Uh, I, I think people are a little bit down on Auburn. Uh, they are a fringe top twenty-five team uh, according to most publications, but I think that they they could come up and su- surprise some people too. We've seen them do it to Alabama a couple of times in the last decade, uh, and I think if they could get that uh, if they could get that Penn State game, they should start the year four and zero. And if you could do that going into LSU, I think you're you have a uh, successful excuse me uh, a successful start to the season. Uh, and if you could get to you know seven wins and a bowl game and and win a bowl game, that's I think a highly successful season for Auburn. Uh, and you start recruiting there as well. Um, let's yeah. go disappointing teams. Uh, well, uh, your thoughts on Auburn?
0: Yeah, on Auburn, uh, yeah, I love Tank Bigsby. I'm interested to see how the quarterback position plays out. Um, I've never been very impressed with Bo Nix, to be honest. Uh, TJ Finley transferring there from LSU, he's not been particularly impressive either, but I think there are more physical tools to work with with Finley. Uh, perhaps he's the guy for Brian Harson to kind of attach his first team to uh, certainly – the quarterback that's going to lead Auburn to anything that they would consider really successful, probably not on the roster yet. That's going to come in recruiting. They hope. Um, I like the hire of Derek Mason as defensive coordinator that, you know, I, I think is something that's going to make a dividend or pay dividends for them. Um, I can see that working out as a, a good surprise pick. The, the key thing for them, I think will be, can they knock off one of the big three, LSU, A&M, Alabama in the West? And then can they beat Ole Miss? Because I think those two are going to be who battles for fourth in the West. And if you can finish ahead of Ole Miss, I, I think that you probably have a pretty good shot of being seven and five, uh, maybe outside chance at eight and four. And you're right, that would be a good first year for Harson. So... Um, That'll be an interesting one to watch, uh, mainly in how Brian Harson adjusts to the SEC coming from Boise State. Certainly a big-time football program, but a totally different beast that he's dealing with now at Auburn.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to be the most exciting team to watch, Um, unless you're a super fan of defense. Yeah, um, yeah this team is going to put up points. We saw them in the bowl game. I think Matt Corral is, has an argument for the top quarterback in, in the conference. Uh, they have wide receivers and, and talent. They have a great offensive to coach in, in Lane Kiffin. Uh, and if they yeah. could get their defense um, to resemble anything, to just stop people every, every so often, Ole Miss could put a scare into people, um, and they're going to be fun to watch. And Lane Kiffin is always entertaining to watch. um, But if he could get that defense going, Ole Miss could be a sleeper team in the SEC to to make some noise. Uh, But let's go, Miss. uh, Let's go. Most disappointing team, TJ. Uh, Who's 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 going to make you most disappointed in the SEC?
0: Well, I, I pick Missouri as my surprise on picking Florida uh, as the disappointment. Uh, I think if they were to finish behind Missouri, their fans would be very disappointed. Uh, but I, you look at all that they lost from last year's offense, um, I think it's a big concern. I mean, you're, you're losing Kyle Trask, Kadarius Toney, Kyle Pitts, who was a matchup nightmare for defenses that opened up things for the rest of that attack. Uh, Emory Jones is a guy under the microscope. He's going to take over as the full-time starter after, you know, a couple seasons of kind of gimmick packages. Uh, That type of thing is not going to work game in and game out in the SEC. And it really didn't work all that well last year. Uh, The offense was much better when Kyle Trask was on the field and kind of suffered when they, when they took him off and put Emory Jones on, Which it's a tough spot for Emory Jones to have just a few plays here and there. I get that. Uh, but I, I, you know, you look at some of the newer quarterbacks in this conference, you've got a little bit of exposure to Emory Jones, um, Bryce Young at Alabama, JT Daniels, you know, you kind of know what you got with him. Um, I, I, of all those guys, I have the least trust. In Emory Jones, uh, I know that Dan Mullen finds a way to score points, but that offense is going to have to be really great because it's a tough schedule. And the defense really took a step back last year, uh, giving up over 30 points a game, over six yards of play. Uh, I don't really like what they have coming back in that group either. You know, they've lost their top players from a defensive struggle. So I, I don't love what Florida has this season uh, and with a tough schedule as well. I I think Florida will score some points as Dan Mullen teams do, but kind of sputter to a, you know, seven or eight win season, uh, which puts them third in the East by my projections behind Missouri and well behind Georgia. And I think that that's a major disappointment for those fans.
1: Yeah. And um. I mean the SEC network was pumping Florida up and pumping uh, Emory Jones up and one of the questions I forgot who asked it but they asked Dan Mullen how come all the five – like why aren't you getting the five star guys from Florida anymore and like why yeah. can't Florida do that and um yeah he said well maybe he rates players differently and I think it was a cop out answer uh I mean you're not going to say well our recruiting stinks uh and That's things like that answer
0: right there. That's
1: Chip yeah. Kelly
0: answer. Yeah. Smartest uh, guy in the room,
1: right? Yeah. Why not? But I'm gonna go for very similar reasons. I'm gonna go with Texas A&M. Every year they think they're gonna win the SEC. They think they're gonna knock off Alabama. They think they're yeah. gonna be, and they don't do it. Um. And they've had the talent. Uh. With, with um. With some quarterbacks there, they're bringing in a freshman quarterback uh, in, in Haynes King, who's, you know, he he played a little bit last year, uh, but completed two of four passes with a touchdown and interception for 59 yards. Um, You have to replace four of your five starters on the offensive line. Um, They do get all their skill position starters back. Your defense has some holes to fill. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think they're going to challenge Alabama. I think, you know, they're going to run their mouths, and Nick Saban's going to do what Nick Saban does and is going to blow the doors off of Texas A&M when Alabama rolls into College Station. Um, could I be wrong? Sure. But Texas A&M, I think, is it they're supremely overrated. They have a couple really good running backs. They have Isaiah Spiller at, at – um, who's, you know, over a thousand yards last year, wide receivers. Uh, you know, everybody was over 400 yards, uh, multiple touchdowns, but who's going to be throwing on the ball? Uh, that That's my question. And who's going to protect guys? You have four new starters and a new starter at quarterback with four new starters on the offensive line. That's tough. Plus, Texas A&M should be undefeated going into the Alabama game. Um, You get Kent State at Colorado, which is played in Jacksonville – or not Jacksonville, which is played in Denver um, at altitude. So, I mean, they should be Colorado, but the altitude could take its toll. Um, New Mexico, you have Arkansas. That game is being played in Arlington, Mississippi State at home. And then Alabama should be, what is that? Five and Um, And then you got a trip to Missouri, South Carolina before the off week. And then you finish, uh, you finish the year with Auburn at home at Ole Miss. You got the FCS week uh, with Prairie View A&M. And then at LSU. If the standard is, if the goal and the standard is to win the SEC is nine and three or 10 and two with losses at LSU and Alabama, um, is that a disappointment? I think it is based on, based on everything that, that Texas A&M is expecting. So that's why I have them as most disappointing um, there as well. Uh, several head co- uh, new head coaches, uh, TJ in the SEC. I think Vanderbilt's going to deal with the week or a week zero, a year zero. Uh, yeah. and that's a total rebuild job um, there. South Carolina, Tennessee is a mess. Um, and Josh Heupel, he had a, he had a, a good run at UCF, uh, but. I mean, if they could get to a bowl game, that, that would be – I think that would exceed expectations or at least be a very good year for Tennessee. If they could get six wins, seven wins, I think that exceeds expectations. They've got Bowling Green. Um, Pitt is going to give them trouble. Tennessee Tech. Then you have to go to Florida at Missouri. South Carolina Ole Miss at Alabama. Um and then you go to Kentucky, who's under the radar really good um, and a really tough team. Then you play Georgia, and then you end the season, of course, with Vanderbilt. So you're looking at at least two, three, maybe yeah, three games where you go, okay, they're not going to win those. Um, your thoughts on Missouri are that they're going to lose that. So that's four. Ole Miss comes to Tennessee. Kiffin comes back to to um, to Neyland Stadium. That's he's going to want to put a thousand points up on Tennessee uh, and, and things like that. So uh, it, it's a little it's a rebuild job. Plus you have all the off the field stuff at, at Tennessee. So we'll see a, a lot of attrition there as well, uh, especially from that that Gator Bowl team uh, that we got to know so well, and then. Um, South Carolina with Shane Beamer. I, this is an interesting one. Um, I think they're talented, but I don't know if they're ready. You know, I think a bowl game would be a good year. Uh, they do have to rebuild and recruit. Uh, you do have to play Clemson, Florida, at Georgia, and at Texas A&M. Um, you do get Kentucky at home, Vanderbilt at home, Auburn at home. It's a tough schedule for a first-year coach. What are your thoughts on on teams with new coaches?
0: Of the group, uh, I do like the Harson hire the most, uh, particularly with his hire of Derek Mason at defensive coordinator. Um, I think that Clark Lee at Vanderbilt is, you know, built an interesting staff, but they are a long, long way away. Um, yeah, I. I Tennessee with Heupel is going to be probably the most interesting one to watch just because of, you know, the expectations that that fan base has versus the reality of where they are right now. Um, and I don't, I don't mean their potential or what they should aspire to. I just mean where that roster is right now. It's not particularly good at the moment. Um, the Beamer hire, uh, I, I don't know. Muschamp did not leave him with, with all that much to, to work with. So I think that those two, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, at the bottom of the East are going to have a hard time uh, beating anybody but each other. Um, but, you know, again, of the group, I think Brian Harson ends up ultimately being the most successful. Uh, outside of that, I, I felt like they were a, a little – uninspiring as a as a total group of hires yeah uh
1: it it was i don't i wouldn't call it because everybody was on urban watch to texas i wouldn't call it uninspiring i'd call it kind of under the radar
0: um yeah and i i you know part of this is it's the same thing that we saw more recently with with basketball hires Uh, it is, it is very, everybody can pay money. Now everybody can pay and everybody will pay to keep a guy that they want. And coaches have really started to understand if they've got something good going, it, it is a little difficult to pull them away from it. Unless there are extenuating circumstances like alma mater, family ties, something like that. Um, If you don't have those ties, it is difficult to pull somebody from a good situation. Um, So the, you know, the automatic list of Matt Campbell and, you know, highly successful coaches at programs in the past, you may have considered stepping stones. Those guys are staying. Tom Allen. Exactly. Those guys are staying where they are because they realized I'm getting paid here. I can win here. I'm getting exposure here because everybody's on TV. So it, it's, I, I do think that there's a, uh, maybe a different standard that you have to hold these hires at first glance too. And it, you know, I, I, one of the most interesting, and we mentioned Tennessee. I'm very interested to see what Joe Milton does at Tennessee uh, quarterback transfer from Michigan. I don't know if he's going to start if he does i don't know if he'll succeed uh, but i'm going to be if if he goes to tennessee and performs like, really well oh and man. the wolverine struggle again michigan's going to be crazy yeah crazy. apoplectic over another quarterback transfers away and does well while we keep floundering behind you know ohio state and god forbid the indiana hoosiers
1: Oh yeah. I mean if Joe Milton goes and lights it up at Tennessee, I I, I don't what do know what do? Michigan I don't know what Michigan fans did. You know, we made the comment, however, many years ago, TJ, when Josh Gaddis went up to Michigan and everybody was like, This is the greatest coordinator hire in the history of coordinator hires. He turned around, I think he came from Alabama. He was great at Alabama. Well they stink. They stunk on offense last year and they've stunk on offense since he's been there. So if you're Michigan and Joe Milton goes, goes down to Tennessee and lights up the sec. I think you have to take a hard look at your coaching staff and go, where was this? You know, did, yeah. did, is Josh Hypel that great of a quarterback whisperer that he took Joe Milton and made him into a superstar or, Are is our coaching staff lacking in whatever needs to be done to unlock the potential of these players? And are they ever going to have that develop that skill uh, to, to unlock the the potential of, you know, you can recruit all the five stars you want, but if you're not developing them um, and they don't improve from where they are in, in their high school selves, it's not going to matter. You know, it's great. five you want five star play. they're they're the most gifted players according to to scouts and all that stuff. But you also have to assume that they're coachable, that they're gonna get better, and because if you could develop a three or four star, they're gonna surpass your five stars if your five stars are going nowhere. I mean, look at Michael Penix was rated below Joe Milton. And he totally outplayed them and, and, uh, and things like that. So, I mean, we'll see. I think Michigan has a, uh, has a big problem on their hands. One, if they get off to a slow start, if Washington comes in there and beats them as well in, in week two. Um, but if Joe, uh, yeah, if you start seeing former quarterbacks go when you're supposed to have this superstar quarterback coach um, you're in trouble and they're not, they're, I mean they're done with it. Now they have an excuse to to get rid of him since they redid his deal. You know, there's no, oh well, we don't want to pay a buyout in the pandemic. There there's no more excuses. The, the buyout's gone and your revenues back, uh, hopefully, uh with, with fans in the stands uh you know, this season. So um who else? Uh what do we think about Arkansas? We haven't talked about Arkansas yet. Uh, Arkansas yeah. was a team that went three and seven. They lost, I think, three or four close games last year. They got screwed out of a win uh, against Auburn. Um, they, I, I would say they overachieved last year uh, just based on you know, where they were uh, before Sam Pittman took over. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Arkansas. They do get rice. They do get Texas in the non-conference and Georgia Southern. Um, they have to go to Georgia, to Alabama. They end the year with Missouri at home. Um, and then their final non-conference game is Arkansas Pine Bluff. So there, there's, you, you should have, you should go three and one in your non-conference, um, how do they do in the SEC? Because, you know, it, it's the SEC West, and then your crossovers are Missouri and Georgia. What, what do you think is our realistic expect? Can Arkansas get to a bowl game?
0: They can. It's going to take improvement uh, from their defense, which the defense did get better last year. It was a step up from the disaster it was in nineteen. Um, but it's still, I mean, Arkansas gave up almost 35 points a game. Uh, So it needs, they need improvement on the defensive side, mainly up front. The pass rush was very poor, uh, possibly the worst in the SEC. I don't have numbers in front of me on that, but uh, generated very few in terms of sacks. And then they're going to need a quarterback to step up. uh, And I don't know who that's going to be. KJ Jefferson, it appears to be the guy that they're going to lean on. They get all five starters back on the offensive line, but it was not a particularly good offensive line. Now Sam Pittman is considered to be, you know, that's what he does. He's an offensive line coach, uh, by nature. So, you know, you wonder, can he develop that group? Now they have experience. Can that experience translate into success? Uh, I like some of the skill position guys they have, mainly Traylon Burks, a wide receiver, they've got some pretty good running backs. It's not a terrible schedule, so I I actually think six and six is my projection for the Hogs. I like them quite a bit better than Mississippi State, which I think it's a matter of time before that experiment is over uh, with Mike Leach, so I like them better uh, than, than Mississippi State, but it's such a a tough mountain to climb in the SEC West uh, that I, I think that's probably the ceiling for them.
1: Yeah. Especially when you draw Florida and Missouri, uh, Missouri out of the East. Uh, yep. TJ, uh, what...
0: Missouri, correct. Missouri is their, their protected game, right out of the East. I think. I believe so. It's the final, final week of yeah, the, the year. Uh, so cross division rivalry, but uh, it could be worse. I mean, but not a whole lot worse.
1: No. Um, I Something that Greg Sankey said at Media Days, um, and it, and it's hopefully somebody asked Kevin Warren this tomorrow, um, and if nobody will, I'll try and ask it, uh, what is the impact of COVID going to be on the season? And I know people are sick of talking about COVID, because uh, I'm sick of talking about COVID, but... The reality is I think six out of 14 SEC teams were not close to the threshold of vaccination rates uh, and things like that. And we all know what the attitude of of the Southern states is about vaccination and and their vaccination rates speak for themselves. Um, He was asked if, because there's no double buys or built in, you know, there's one bye week. Um, there's no built-in breaks and, you know, for postponements. And he was asked about that. And he said, well, you know, they might get rid of the, the player limit. Uh, so last year, they had to have a certain number of healthy players to go play a game. Um, and if you didn't have that number, the game would be ruled a, a no contest or postponed and moved back to the later date and Indiana fans know as as well as anybody that that was a load of uh, uh, crap uh, towards the end of the season with, you know, with certain rules uh, being changed uh, and things like that minimum game played. Um, He, Greg Sankey hinted that games would be forfeited or teams would have to play the hand that they're dealt. So if you have Forty healthy players, thirty of them are walk-ons. That's your squad. I mean, if you have, to, if you're, um, let's say, Florida gets hammered with COVID on September twenty or September eighteenth, when Alabama comes to town, that's that's your squad going up up against uh, uh, against Alabama, or maybe um, you know, or Georgia and Clemson, like. They're not playing around with – they have zero flexibility um, to, to move games to, to move games around this year. And I think that's going to come into play – li- I think it could come into play in far of standings. Because if, if, if a team in the running is going to be forced to forfeit a game, it, it's going to drop them in the standings. You know, especially if you have to forfeit a game that you probably should have won, uh, and or you lose a game that you probably should have won because half your starting lineup is out. So I, that's something I'm going to keep an eye on for for all the conference races. Who's going to end up forfeiting games, or who's going to play with the uh, you know a, a, a shorthand um, and, and things like that? What what's your take on the impact of the potential impact of of COVID on the season in terms of standings and playoff positions and representing the, you know, in the title game, it gets very complicated very quickly.
0: Um, I think that the who is to be determined, but the if is undoubtable. Uh, I, I, I think that, COVID is absolutely 100% going to have an impact on conference title races, on the college football playoff, uh, chase on the national title picture. We don't know which schools are going to be impacted yet, but I I think it is just, it's bound to happen. Uh, I'd be completely shocked if at least one major contest was not heavily impacted by COVID that alters the some conference title race or uh, the college football picture. Um, It's unfortunate that we are still in this boat. And I think both you and I uh, are on similar lines with kind of some ways that this could be uh, amended very quickly, uh, given that, you know, college football and being able to go to college football games and being able to go to public places, uh, you know, courts have determined that that is a privilege. It is not a, a right. Uh, and you know, we're not going to dive into the weeds of any political thoughts or anything like that. But uh, I think that there are ways, while they would certainly be Hotly contested that, that could kind of amend some of these concerns and, and kind of curb the the rate at which we are seeing growth. But uh, right now, it's incredibly difficult to envision the season not being impacted. Uh, I also think with 100% certainty that there will not be, oh, we're going to delay the season some or we're going to. That,
1: oh no! They're gonna play. Is. They need the money. They need yeah. the TV. They're gonna play. So they're gonna put the responsibility on teams yeah. and players to do, you know, the right thing and get vaccinated um, to prevent these things. They're not gonna. It's not gonna be last year. When, let's. I mean, look. The SEC did a phenomenal job of getting their season going and not delaying too much and and all that stuff. But it was. I mean, you're you're building the plane as you fly it. This year, you kind of know, you've been through it all once once before. And now, well, you need consequences for COVID outbreaks. And I think it is, I think those kind con- of forfeiture or playing shorthanded is a fair consequence um, for teams who couldn't get, you know, vaccinated and, th- and things like that. It, it's, it stinks. And it stinks for players, uh, and we saw it in the College World Series where Mississippi State had to essentially forfeit a run at the title, uh, I think in the semifinals um, against Vanderbilt, where they, they were like two wins away from, from the, the title series. Um, it stinks, and nobody wants – nobody's rooting for that to happen or, you know, nobody's rooting for – you know that season, some student athlete season to come to an end like that. But if you're a coach or um, an athletic director, you have to sit your team down and say, "This, this is, these are our goals, and in order to achieve these goals, we have to do this." It's just like running wind sprints or practicing after practice. Uh, and things like that. Um, you know, this is what we have to do. And if somebody's going to be a selfish teammate and not get vaccinated for reasons other than, um, you, you know, medical excuses, then you're putting your team's chances at a title in danger. Uh, and we'll see which teams have players who will do anything to win. Uh, and which team, you know, which, which programs have players who, you know, don't want to be bothered with it. So I, and it's, I think it's going to impact the media availability as well. I I don't see us getting players outside of zoom again. I just, it's not worth the risk in terms of having the interactions and a media scrum and all that stuff. And God forbid somebody's sick and, you know, Michael Penix gets sick or, you know, somebody tests positive and, and contact tracing and, and all that stuff. And, you know, even if they're vaccinated, you can still catch it. And if you get caught up in the contract tra- tracing testing, you're going to get ruled out, too. I mean, you saw it with the Yankees and Red Sox uh, uh, a week or so ago. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to proceed with caution, but they're going to proceed. Um, and there's no more delaying the season there's no more we're going to postpone games it's you're going to play or you're going to forfeit um and the balls in in these programs courts to to do what is necessary to to get off a clean season and keep people healthy and and hopefully uh, and hopefully that's we get a full season with minimal with minimal cancellations or forfeitures and, and things like that so but it, it's naive to think that it won't be affected um yeah. It's totally naive. So you're gonna see it with the Olympics. You've seen a ton of Olympians go down with it, uh, and things like that. And it's not about, you know, oh the kid's a healthy kid. Well, you could still transmit it to people, and they're part of a larger community, uh, where people are, are a little bit more vulnerable, uh and things like that. So we'll see. Um, but hopefully let's end on a on a more positive note, TJ. Uh, who's your conference player of the year?
0: Um, I, again, I, I think most of these races, I picked a defender um, in the Pac-12, but uh, and you, 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 there are a couple of guys you could make that argument for in the SEC, but since I think Alabama you know, runs the table and goes uh, back to the college football playoff, uh, I'll take Bryce Young. He of the recent nearly a million dollars and NIL deals already, if you're one to believe that. Uh, I, I'm going to take Bryce Young and uh, kind of place my bets on, on the quarterback of the best team. And that's what I'll mm-hmm. go with. But I, I do think uh, if JT Daniels played in a more – kind of open system, I think he would probably be the shade, the, um, uh, the pick.
1: I'm going to go, I, I'm going to give my non Alabama sec player of the year. Cause you could go down Alabama's list. It could be Bryce young. It could be John Michi. Um, you know, it could be Emile Ekafor. It could be anybody. It could be somebody we've never heard of at Alabama who runs for eight gazillion yards. Um, I'm going to go with Matt Corral. I think he's going to put up stupid video game numbers this year, uh, as long as he stays healthy. Um, you know, he took care of the ball pretty well against Indiana. I, You know, if they could get his turnovers under control, he's going to have a phenomenal year statistically. Um, you know, how much weight is given to – well, you know – uh, team record and, and wins and all that stuff, but I, I think he's going to lead the SEC in passing and passing touchdowns. And um, If I had to go with somebody outside of Alabama, he's my guy.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I had not thought of uh, Mac Corral, given that I, I think Ole Miss finishes at best uh, fourth in the West, uh, but that is a just statistically, it might be an overwhelming, you know, uh, overwhelming season for him that, that he gets the nod. That's a, a good pick, I think.
1: Thank you. All right, well, that does it for today's podcast. Um, we're previewing the SEC. We'll have our next conference. to preview is going to be the Big Ten. The Big Ten, uh, and that's where we live is in Big Ten country. So keep following HoosierHuddle We'll be at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, Thursday and Friday of this week. Uh, Matt Smith, one of our student interns, will be joining me as well as Zach Green will be joining virtually from California Uh, and we'll have everything covered. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, We'll have everything posted up on Facebook as well. Uh, Don't forget our pre-order for Hoosier Huddle gear ends August 18th. So head over to the site and click on the shop now button. Uh, it's free shipping on orders over a hundred dollars. There's some sweet stuff, some hats, tanks, t-shirts, long sleeve tees, hoodies, crew necks, uh, everything you need to get ready for the uh, fall season in Bloomington. Uh, TJ, thanks for joining me as always. Have a great rest of the week and we'll talk next week.
0: Thanks so much. Have a good one, everybody.
1: All right. That does it for today's podcast. We'll be back next week to talk Big Ten football.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
2: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
0: Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine.
2: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.